Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is June 4th, 2023. I'm Blois Olson. This is Sunday Take. It's graduation season, including here at the Olson House, where we'll be having a gathering later today for Lily Olson, uh, who will be going off to the University of Kansas. So I think about the future, not just for the kids, but for all of us. And as we always try to do is look ahead. This week, we're looking ahead to the politics of the city of Minneapolis. You know, the session ended, the debt ceiling deal got solved. So what's next as we watch the political and public issues of the year go forward? And it certainly is the Minneapolis City Council races. All 13 races are up. We're going to talk to Kip Hedges. He's one of the leaders of the Democratic Socialists. They've, they've gotten a lot of momentum. And, uh, and it's interesting within uh, the DFL and within Minneapolis City politics. And then we're going to talk to Dave Ork from the Star Tribune about what he's seeing at City Hall and what races to watch in Minneapolis. But... Before we get to Kip, here's a message from Minnesota Corn. You know, look, at its, at its nature, nature has to be able to sustain itself. After all, if you can't continue to produce from the land, farmers don't have a future. And so Minnesota corn growers are focused on that sustainable future. That's why they continue to invest in sustainable practices soil health, water conservation. It's farmers, in fact, corn farmers, who invest and innovate for the future. They invest in reusable products like corn-based plastic. They invest in research at the University of Minnesota, and they invest in the land. After all, from generation to generation, from family to family, your neighbor's in greater Minnesota who are farming have a vested interest in your land being healthy so that their land can be healthy, so that your water is healthy, so that their water is healthy. It's that general neighborly feeling that Minnesota farmers and corn farmers 
have really embraced. They're watching their water use. They're making sure the soil is healthy. And they're feeding, providing fuel for the future of the state, the country, and the world. I'm Blaise Olson. That's Minnesota Corn Sustainability Minute. When we come back, Kip Hedges from the DSA Twin Cities. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. My first guest this week is Kip Hedges. He's one of the chairs of the Twin Cities DSA, Democratic Socialists of America. They've made a lot of noise lately in Minneapolis and St. Paul City Council races, but we're focused on Minneapolis this week. Kip, thanks for joining me. Uh, Thank you for having me on. Let's just start at the at the basics. Uh, What is DSA Twin Cities? Uh, You know, how, how big is it? How do you organize and what are your hot issues that, you know, your uh, organization and, and candidates are advocating for or advocating against? Uh, we, I would say the modern version of DSA comes out of the Bernie Sanders campaigns. Um, and a lot of our platform would align with, uh, the things that, uh, Bernie Sanders generally says. Uh, one thing that I think is a little bit different is that, uh, well, and there's a debate about this inside of DSA, but that uh, um, many, many DSA members are not very fond of uh, the Democratic Party writ large. Uh, We're about um, 1,200 members in the Twin Cities, uh, probably around 
100,000 uh, nationally, and certainly with Bernie Sanders' campaigns, got a big boost in membership. We uh, participate in, obviously, electoral campaigns, and our, our candidates have had some real success lately. And in fact, uh, uh, Robin Wansley and Jason Chavez from Ward 2 and Ward 9, respectively, um, apparently have done a good enough job that they're uh, not facing any opposition uh, for the 2023 election. Um, I would also say that we're heavily involved in things like the East Phillips Urban Farm, where we just won, I think, a pretty significant victory, um, where the city has now agreed to allow the urban farm people to buy that land and uh, um, instead of a parking lot for uh, city vehicles. Um, we're also involved in uh, a, a number of different union organizing drives um, and uh, in uh, participating in our unions because we put a great deal of stock in the um, uh, both the, the the power of working class people in the in, in the cities uh, and uh, uh, the potential power there um, and think that that's a very uh, important part of developing the kind of society that we're talking about developing. I think, you know, you highlight some issues that I think folks are aware of and are talking about. And obviously Bernie Sanders has brought a lot of attention to the, to the party um, and to the movement. Uh, I'll call it. You talk about, you know, 1200 members um, and there's, you know, 400,000 plus residents in Minneapolis, 300,000 plus in St. Paul. One of the things that's interesting is just that um, to me, you know, there's a certain populism to your movement, um, but it's not necessarily, you know, an overwhelming wave of populism that people are uh, assigned with. You take things like, you know, rent stabilization uh, or rent control, you take kind of, you know, labor movement, some of those more, you know, traditionally populist issues. Um, and they seem to resonate um, in electoral politics, but sometimes they come in conflict with the way or the, you know, systematic economics. Is there a, is there, a, is there an economic system or or key changes to the economic system that DSAers are advocating for, or is it really issue by issue, or project by project, or candidate by candidate? Um, I would say certainly that the word socialism has uh, gotten a bad rap over the years because of uh, the Soviet Union and the, the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and. We literally have uh, nothing in common with uh, either of those historical experiences. Um, uh, the biggest, most important thing to remember is that we're talking about democratic socialism, as in this is not some top-down thing that we're talking about. There are really severe problems in the world today and in the United States. Certainly climate change is right up at the top there. Um, so 
how do we working class people generally are excluded from uh, the, 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 the workings of government. Um, uh, lobbyists for the downtown council, for the Minnesota Business Roundtable, for Target, et cetera, Uber and Lyft. Uh, um, you know, we just witnessed the whole thing with uh, Uber and Lyft and uh, um, uh, uh, Mail down in Rochester with the nursing requirements where um, they, they use their power to, uh, to enforce their will. And working class people generally don't um, have that kind of opportunity. So we're talking about building power for working class people. We're talking about bringing thousands and thousands more that are fed up with politics, usually alienated from politics into the discussion to come up with solutions that make sense. So when you talk about some of those solutions, and I've been on your website kind of getting ready and understanding this, some of them, you know, let's just take, we'll, we'll take one simple that anybody in Minnesota can relate to, and that's snow removal from sidewalks. Um, and, you know, this has been discussed, it's been debated, people have advocated for it, but it comes with a price tag. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, when government uh, has a new big expense, either they have to cut something or they have to raise revenue from somewhere else to pay for it. Um, what, what tax systems should be, does, does DSA view as more progressive? And I want to dive into this a little more because this is one of the places where um, I think people have a, a tougher time kind of wrapping their head around how do we pay for this when there's either other needs, whether they want public safety, whether they want potholes filled, whether they want parks for their kids, um, you know, elected officials have to kind of prioritize or they have to go find new revenue to pay for it. Is there a, is there at a city level, is there a tax system or a tax modifications that DSAers think need to happen? Well, we have not too much control over uh, uh, a variety of uh, different ways to levy taxes. Um, We do have things like with all of the downtown buildings, uh, not nearly at uh, full occupancy uh, and being held off the market. Um, uh, in many instances by uh, uh, developers, big corporate landlords, um, a vacancy uh, um, uh, tax, for example, or fee uh, could be a very effective way of raising more revenue without um, uh, increasing property taxes. Because I'll I'll tell you this, uh, I own a house in Minneapolis. I um, you know, my property taxes have been going up because the value of my property has been going up and uh, levies have been going up. Um, and at some point, it's going to get to the point of me not being able to afford those taxes and simply having to move to a smaller house or to an apartment. And I don't really want that to happen. So I, I understand and I have a direct interest in uh, um, trying to keep property taxes 
as low as possible. So I think we need to be creative about how um, we levy more taxes on, a, on people that have a ton of money, um, which it's not too hard to prove that corporations right now are doing extremely well and that they're paying nowhere near their fair share of taxes. So there's one debate that we need to have is how do we uh, have the rich pay more of their fair share and working class people uh, uh, don't get swamped with uh, increased sales taxes or uh, property taxes. My guest is Kip Hedges. He's one of the chairs of the Twin Cities DSA. He's outlining some of the positions the DSA is taking. They're very influential and um, having some recent political success, especially in Minneapolis and St. Paul City Council races. And as we talked this week about uh, the elections ahead in Minneapolis, uh, DSA is definitely a player to watch. Kip, uh, you, when you talk about that in particular, I think, um, you know, people paying based on their vacant space versus, versus their occupied space. We'll just focus on office. Um, obviously, the, you know, if they have vacant space, they're not earning any revenue there. Um, and they can choose or not choose to invest in Minneapolis or, you know, have people in Minneapolis. Uh, and they've, they've paid a pretty, they pay pretty high taxes, not to mention their valuations because of occupancy and the you know pandemic and shift in office, their their valuations may be going down. Um, does that uh, put in jeopardy the idea that you know the, that the city has to get you know tax revenue from somewhere else or or you know I'm just I'm trying to to wrap my head around the idea that how a a, a business or a, a property that's not earning income because it has vacant space could pay or, or does it force the question, well, you are keeping it vacant. So find somebody to pay you something for it so that then you don't, you're, you're not incentivized. Not that I could see any way they're incentivized to keep it empty right now. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get a linear thought on, on the idea of a vacancy fee or tax. Um, you know, I am not an expert on, yeah. um, on taxation by, sure. by any means, uh, but I will say this, that um, when people like DSA uh, and others advance solutions um, that are not friendly to big business, that that the boogeyman of, oh, you'll ruin the economy is always advanced. And we, we ran into this uh, uh, during, I was very involved in the uh, uh, $15 minimum wage fight um, in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And this absolutely was raised by uh, the Minneapolis Chamber of Commerce, et cetera. Uh, you will destroy Minneapolis and St. Paul if you have a $15 minimum wage. Um, and it turned out not to be true. Um, in fact, the economy has generally been sailing along uh, even with a $15 an hour minimum, minimum wage. 
Although people like Steve Kramer in his uh, uh, editorial response to, to what we have to say, said that he thought that the 15 minimum wage was a huge problem. So it's the same way with anything that working people ever advance that runs against the interest of businesses, you will destroy the economy. Um, and I would say that uh, that's simply not true. Um, that's something that's uh, always raised in cases like this. Let's, uh, we have a few more minutes here, just a couple, but I want to turn to public safety. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's a major discussion point. Um, what's the role of police, according to the DSA, especially in Minneapolis? So I would say that when Robin Wansley, Ward 2 City Council member, uh, was running, uh, her slogan was public safety beyond policing. And as we explained that at the, uh, at the doors, talking to people while we were canvassing, um, that we got a very positive response. And what we mean by public safety beyond policing is, and, and, and incidentally, this has now become very mainstream. Uh, so we staked out a position, we've been fighting for it, and now even Jacob Fry e- echoes some of what, uh, um, that, what we said two years ago, which is you need more violence interrupters, you need more social workers, you need more uh, de-escalation experts, uh, you, need, um, uh, you need good schools, you need uh, uh, decent housing, um, uh, you need jobs, et cetera. It's all part of the, the picture, public safety. Uh, and in spite of the fact that that's what we're talking about, uh, the uh, Chamber of Commerce, Steve Kramer, et cetera, keep on raising this boogeyman of abolition. Now, I well, heard hey, Kip, I want to stop you right there because you keep talking about what they talk about. Mm-hmm. But but I, I just I want to say this as uh, there are there are people within DSA that say they're abolitionists. So okay. I, I, I just want to say that that is I mean, I see it in Twitter profiles every week. They say DSA member abolitionists. So I, I it's, it's not necessarily about what the business community is saying. How do you reconcile it within the DSA of, of what do you do when there is crime? How do you solve it? And are, do you believe in consequences or do you believe in, in any sort of, of policing to, to hold people accountable for even personal or property crimes? Well, let me, let me put it this way, that when my house is being broken into, uh, I would like somebody with a badge and a gun uh, to come quickly. Um, uh, Having said that, the vast majority, if, if we started investing, actually investing in the things that I was just talking about, uh, over time, the, the need for an armed response would likely become less and less. Um, so I, I hope that that, uh, yeah. that answers your question. And I would also say that uh, DSA is a big tent organization. Um, and that means that uh, um, 
I would say that the majority of our members fall somewhere around what I'm talking about, that okay. uh, our common language is public safety beyond policing. And by that, I mean, we want uh, people to show up when somebody's having a, uh, um, a psychological episode that know how to deal with that. And their first response is not to slam the person to the ground and potentially shoot them because that is pretty damn common uh, in the, uh, the city of, of, of Minneapolis and, and certainly has been. Got it. Kip, I hope we can continue these conversations down the line. Thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Okay, thank you. When we come back, we'll catch up on more issues inside of Minneapolis and take a look at these specific races. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Final interview this week on Sunday Take is with Dave Oreck. He's a reporter with the Star Tribune. We've known each other quite a while. He used to cover the state capitol, but now he covers Minneapolis politics, including City Hall. And there's a lot ahead, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, in Minneapolis this year uh, with all 13 council members on the ballot. Mr. Oreck, thanks for joining me. Good to be with you, boys. So, um, Dave, just try to set this up just as you look at it. Um, I feel as though those of us who watch politics closely have always, you know, we've been watching the legislature and we had this debt ceiling issue, but there's a lot on the ballot in Minneapolis, including a potential uh, vote on rent control. Can you just set the stage of kind of where the council is, who's retiring and uh, what people are talking about in these races? Sure. So if you haven't been following Minneapolis politics lately, you might think it's a one-party system, which uh, technically it is. But really, there's different factions on the council, and uh, and there's a lot at stake. So Mayor Jacob Fry is not on the ballot, but all 13 city council seats are. And it is possible that there will be, uh, perhaps likely, that there will also be a ballot question for Minneapolis residents on rent control, on a specific rent control policy that has yet to be agreed upon. And so that's that's the the big overview. Uh, the in the in the city council itself, you of course everybody's left. The question is how far left are they? And you basically have a majority of the council that generally votes with the mayor on a lot of contentious type issues. And whether you want to call it center left or, or what, um, that's who is in control of the Minneapolis City Council on most issues right now. There is a smaller group that often uh, votes as a, as a coalition um, that is farther to the left. They tend to be associated with, and many are endorsed by, the Democratic Socialists of America, Twin Cities chapter. And they are pushing for more, uh, stronger rent control, more changes to policing, changes to police homeless encampments, 
Uh, they have a different take on how snow should be removed, uh, the future of the third police precinct that was torched during the George Floyd riots. And because every seat is on the ballot and because two key council members are retiring, the balance of power in the Minneapolis City Council is very much up in the air. You know, I think um, it's a really good summary of where we're at. We've had some, I'll call them moments of drama or suspense in some of these council endorsement battles, most notably um, when Council President Andrea Jenkins lost the DFL endorsement to a DSA candidate, and then a widely reported, and to your credit, um, well-reported issue where a a convention ended because of chaos uh, and uh, the videos were good, but you've been following this uh, Warsami Chugtai uh, issue pretty closely. What talk about those two races and and the personalities or the or or the angles on both of those races? The way you're hearing it from insiders. Sure, you bet. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of drama. You know, I left the state legislature because uh, one party got a <laughs> trifecta. Because Minneapolis is much more exciting. <laughs> um, <laughs> So let's start with Council President Andrea Jenkins. Um, She is, by anyone's definition, a progressive. Um, She is uh, one of the uh, first and most powerful trans people ever elected to a position like that in the city. She won the DFL endorsement. And uh, she believes she has done a good job in moving uh, the city toward a lot of the the things that people ask for, especially after George George Floyd's murder. But there are a a group on the left um, who tend to refer to her sometimes as a moderate uh, who don't think enough is being done. And out of that group came uh, came her her opponent, um, Soren Stevenson. Soren Stevenson was mostly gained, um, became well known because he was protesting the George Floyd, uh, uh, George Floyd's murder and was struck in the eye by a projectile fired from a a police uh, allegedly, you know, purportedly less than lethal um, weapon, it it took out his eye. He lost his eye. Um, and there was a big settlement with the city. He has mounted, mounted a vigorous campaign against Jenkins, uh, accusing her basically of not doing enough. That's the, the simplest, broadest way to do it and, and of not being uh, in touch enough with the Ward 8 constituents. And uh, he hustled. He got a lot of delegates going in advance of the DFL endorsement process. And Jenkins was caught a bit flat-footed. And uh, she has told me she believes her her team probably didn't sense the urgency enough. And she lost the endorsement. Those of us who were following this knew going into the endorsing the ward convention that probably she had no chance of winning it, that the math wasn't there. And there were people who were coming to her aid publicly and privately um, on her side in the council and the mayor's office who were basically hoping to get a no endorsement. And that effort failed because Soren won the endorsement on first ballot. And that sort of sent shockwaves through, uh, through a lot of, uh, a lot of people in the not so far left side of things, the people who consider themselves, um, you know, center left or, or, you know, traditional liberals um, because uh, that would be a swing. Um, Soren was endorsed by the DSA and is generally believed his, his policy positions are generally with those 
on the farther left uh, side of the council. And so uh, that would be a swing in favor of those who, who want, for example, 3% rent control, no exceptions. Now, Soren is not necessarily lock solid into that. He waffles on that particular issue a little bit, yeah. but generally that's what he supports. So that's Ward 8. Um, now, Andrea Jenkins is going to continue to run, and she says she's confident that she can um, get her ship in order and, and appeal to the broader constituency of Ward 8 and, and win in the general election. But it, right now, those are the two candidates in the general election. In Ward 10, you had, I wasn't there earlier last month because I didn't think it would be, and a lot of it didn't think it would be that close a battle. Aisha Chugtai, who sits in that left or in that more left coalition, yep. um, is a first term candidate, but had done a lot of a lot of ground game and had a large, large number of delegates signed up at the endorsing uh, the precinct caucuses. And she was going in, in my view, uh, a pretty strong favorite against, um, this is uh, Ward 10, and, and it was against, um, really, there was there was a potentially a couple of candidates, but Nasri Warsami was the, the main one. He's a first-time candidate. Um, as his name suggests, uh, he's a Somali immigrant. And um, he was coming, campaigning from Chugtai's right. He was coming in as kind of on a law and order platform where Sami uh, ser served briefly, worked briefly for the MAC, Metropolitan Airports Commission, as a community service officer. Um, that is not a sworn police officer, but he told me he was, uh, he was hoping to, um, he's working toward getting his uh, peace officers licensed through police academy. Uh, he's taken a leave from the MAC um, to campaign. So that was, and his campaign message was was one that you sometimes hear in immigrant communities, um, which is, hey, look, we, we support a lot of social issues and stuff, but um, there's crime going on. And Minneapolis is a lot of crime. And we don't think that this um, farther left uh, uh, council member is actually responding to us. So that was his campaign message. They went into the convention, and I think a lot of people have a sense of what happened, which is that... Uh, yeah. Warsami brought a lot of supporters. Some of them were uh, eligible to become delegates or were already delegates. Some were eligible to become delegates that day, but a lot were not, according to um, what a number of people running the DFL convention uh, had told me. And uh, it wasn't going their way. There was a lot of confusion. There was a language barrier. Many of them only spoke Somali. The interpreter, according to the DFL, um, the, the DFL hired interpreter, uh, had uh, felt threatened and left the uh, convention a few hours into it. And, you know, all heck broke out as Warsami's supporters stormed the stage. And anyone who hasn't seen the video can just Google Ward 10 Convention Chaos yeah. Minneapolis and see what happened. That uh, convention uh, sort of ended, but technically it was only recessed. Um, we are now at a point where voting, it will be reconvened shortly in some sort of an online way, basically to allow delegates to email their votes in for either Chugtai or no one, because the DFL state committee, the state organization, um, has essentially has uh, banned Warsami for life from ever seeking the DFL endorsement. Even though I say for life, they can always rescind that later if they wanted to. 
Um, so he is no longer eligible. Just yesterday, uh, I'm speaking to you on Friday. Um, on Thursday, he said that uh, he will run. He, um, so there is still, he plans on being on a ballot. We uh, come November, um, at least those two candidates, Aisha Shugtai and Nasri Warsami. Uh, I'm talking to Dave Ark. He's Star Tribune reporter. He covers Minneapolis politics, including City Hall. We're talking about the races for City Council this year. Um, Dave, you've, you've, the, these races have just felt a new level of intensity between this, you know, DSA wing, uh, and we talked to Kip, uh, just last segment about kind of where the DSA is, what they stand for, but, uh, obviously my mayor Fry wants to keep a majority on the council. Um, it feels tense and intense in this battle for control of of Minneapolis behind the scenes are you hearing from people that are concerned um is it on people's radar or is it still just kind of inside baseball and I asked because you know two years ago the public safety referendum was on the ballot we had a mayor's race you know i even started a minneapolis take and interviewed all the candidates and we had debates um and these midterms for city office don't often attract the attention which is where organizers and organized candidates oftentimes you know have an advantage uh do you think there'll be kind of a larger themed campaign about the city, about the future of the city? Do you think Mayor Fry will, you know, be out there because, you know, he, he is, you know, he won, but he's not necessarily this highly popular, but uh, mayor, but he's, he definitely has political chits to, to call in and, um, and some currency to throw around. Yeah, I think that's well, I think that's actually really well said boys. I mean, he he didn't how strong his mandate was coming off his his election is debatable right um remember that minneapolis voters and this is a bit of the inside baseball uh approved a strong mayor system um and so he is trying to figure out his way uh in that new system which is really the the actual foundations of it have just been implemented you know within the last you know 6 8 months and and the council is trying to find their way as well and there's disagreement on that that's the inside baseball in in many ways though there are real impacts potentially for voters and i listed off some of the issues for residents and i listed off some of the issues um and there there is a level of intensity it it's not everywhere uh it's it's very interesting let's take for example robin wansley in ward two she's an independent she runs as an independent but she is dsa endorsed she is the most outspoken of the left coalition um she won by and i don't have the number in front of me i don't know if it was 14 or 18 votes she won by a very slim margin uh in 2021 um she basically has no opponent right now um and going into the ward convention she she signed up delegates and said, I want them to go with no endorsement because I want to run as an independent. I don't want to feel beholden um, to a DFL endorsement. And uh, that's what she got. Um, so that was a race that you might have thought, well, there's going to be a, a fight in that one. And there's nothing. And then on the other hand, you get Andrea Jenkins, the council president, losing the endorsement. Um, you have uh, definitely Mayor Fry is going to be. Uh, 
cashing in chips. How I think some of that will be public and some of it will probably not be. Um, how many chips he has to cash in, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, you will see uh, other electeds uh, who are aligned with Fry helping out their candidates, as you will see and have seen DSA candidates helping out each other. You know, um, Jeremiah Ellison, for example, was seen on, on the video of the Ward 10 convention. He yeah. was there um, supporting Aisha Chugtai. Ellison is not a DSA endorsed candidate. He didn't uh, publicly at least not seek the DSA endorsement. He tends to support their side of things. Um, he is in, he's in an interesting race where he has, uh, and that, that race has gotten kind of gnarly. They've gone with a mutual agreement for, for no endorsement, but he's got an opponent named Victor Martinez, yeah. who uh, is a, a pastor of the area and is, is campaigning on the basic message of Ellison is, out of touch with some of the changes in Ward 5. Martinez is kind of conservative in some ways. Uh, I asked him who he voted for in the last presidential election, and he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> and he said that that was because he, uh, as a man of, of faith, he doesn't want to get involved in, in talking about political endorsements and his political messages, which, you know, on its face to me is a, is a real stretch because he's running for political office. Yeah, no, yeah, that's um, that. Even the best PR guy's got a tough time explaining that one, Dave Ork. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough spin on that one. And I'm not going to accuse him of, of not being a Democrat, but I know that others out there are sort of questioning whether he's, whether he's really uh, a progressive in a, in a city that, you know, if you're not a, if you're not a progressive on some level, um, you're going to have a hard time really reflecting a, a lot of, a lot of voters. So, so that's an interesting race. I don't know where Martinez would go. To be clear, I'm not aware of any support from Fry or others on the council for Martinez, nor for Warsami. Um, but, you know, guys like that could tip the balance in a way that, who knows, if a guy like Martinez were to knock off Ellison, you know, and I'm not saying he, he, he will, but if he were, depending on how other things shake out, he could become a a weird swing vote on the, on the council. Um, you already have a potential a current sometimes swing voter, uh, Andrew Johnson, yeah. who is a multi-term incumbent and he is, he is retiring from uh, elected office or he's just not running for reelection. Um, the front runner right now with the DFL endorsement is Irene Chaudhry. She got the DSA endorsement. However, she uh, is not, promising to follow all of the DSA's platform. For example, with rent control uh, in her questionnaire and in conversations I know she's had with others, she has said that um, she's a little more flexible on that. So she might be somebody who, who wants to keep a little bit of that, of that feed in both camps there. Um, and then on the other, the other big one that's an open seat is Ward 7, where a longtime incumbent, uh, Lisa Goodman, Right. is um is not running for re-election and uh we have several candidates lined up lined up there dave i appreciate this conversation i know we'll talk down the line the one thing i will say is that a lot of these races uh two years ago were close so you talked about the 14 uh vote margin ellison's race was about 150 votes uh there so They'll be close. They'll be tight. And obviously, uh, we'll check in down the line. And uh, I know you'll be covering it for the Star Tribune. 
You bet it won't be dull. It won't be dull, and you are not dull either. Are you fishing later today, Dave Ork? I might take my kid out today. Otherwise, uh, heading out to Wisconsin this weekend for some uh, some hunting land we bought to get that uh, ready for the hunting season. Awesome. Dave spends a lot of time outdoors. Next up on Sunday Take, the take this week, Minneapolis, high school graduations, a a cluster and smorgasbord of topics. I'm Blaise Olson. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. This week's take really is about the future of Minneapolis. Whether that's next week or next month or next year, the city is coming back. It's slow, but it's coming back. This past week, there was activity downtown. The Taste of Minnesota is coming up, which I'm working on. And in general, you can feel more energy. Look, we all are going to do better if Minneapolis thrives, if people invest, if people can work and live safely in Minneapolis. And the truth is the vast majority of the Minneapolis is not on the cusp of failure. It's working hard, like we tell our kids, to move forward. So on this day where we'll host a graduation this week and look to the future. It's hard work that's going to pay off for this state and for this city. It's a vibrant economy that we need to uphold. And it's a balance between political issues and pragmatic solutions. That's what I'm telling the graduates. Work hard, be pragmatic, and solve problems. I think we can all take that lesson a little further. We'll talk to you next week. On The Take, Sunday Take on Newstalk 830 WCCO. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 